And welcome to another edition, finally, of Fire in the Mountains. Andy Waddell, Justin Edgel, and Ricky Wittenberg here with you. Finally, again tonight. I mean, I know that there were some people thought that we were dead or worse, <laughs> but we are back finally for a episode 36 through 38 of Smoky Mountain, and hopefully it won't be another six months before we do another one. Andy Waddell. I know it's been a minute or two. How have you been doing this last uh, since summer? Pretty good. Uh, not many people know this, but we were hacked by the Russians. But we are once again, as they say, back in the saddle again. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, Justin Edgel, you you actually missed the last episode with us, so it's been uh, it's been a few days longer for you. How how have you been doing? Been really good, you know. Like when, it, by the way, Andy, when in doubt, you know, you always got to blame the Russians. But anyway, uh, been doing well. That's Glad to be back. Uh, lots happened in the last six months. Donald Trump's our president now. Who would have thought? And the Raiders are eleven and three. That's right. By God, who would have friggin' <laughs> thought thought that would happen? Yeah, I know it's not a football show, but. No, they're one if anybody years, ever like wants to call me a bandwagon Raiders fan, we're going to fight to the death. And Andy, what yes. can attest? I will back you up and fight with you, good sir. Because <laughs> I, I have stuck with them through hell and back. And thankfully, we're back, and Andy's team's in hell. So. Yes, yes, we are following Kaepernick straight to the train to hell. And Justin, yeah, you're not in much better shape in Cincinnati. Uh, uh, no, okay. nope. All right. Well, I'm for the I'm happy for the Raiders anyway, but that's uh, beside the point. It's all <laughs> Cleveland rocks. Cleveland rocks. Oh, all right. So we are They're episode good. 36 of Smoky Mountain Wrestling TV. We're at Hancock High School in Sneedville, and our resident MapQuest guru, Andy, where is Sneedville, Tennessee? You're looking probably about 50 miles west of Kingsport, population 1100 and a half, maybe. Uh, this is so far back in the boondocks that even the boondocks call it the boondocks. All right. Well, that's, that's a running theme at Smoky Mountain. It seems like every, and I know what the next, after we get done with these tapings where they go and you're just wait for that. It's going to be even worse. <laughs> okay. So we start out this episode and my God, this could be the background for the picture of our show. What in the hell is Dutch Mantel wearing on his head? Andy, I know this. Like get, okay, what is it? I've seen it on TV the other day. They have this new thing now. Dutch was ahead of his time. They have this toboggan that has a hole in it so people can put their man bun or ponytail out of it. He was just ahead of his time. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Justin, what uh, what was your theory on this? Yeah, I don't know if I can top that, but I, I, I thought he just looked like a broken condom. I mean, it would he, have been the... freaking pissed off, so he's so mad that he put it on his freaking head. It must have been Robert wow. Fuller's at that point. He exploded. <laughs> well, that's true. Okay, so we um, just watch uh, Nothing I can say will do this justice. You're just going to have to see the picture or watch this episode. We go right into match number one. Mike Sampson against Ronnie Garvin and his towel. So, at at this point, I mean, I get it in a way, and I remember Garvin always having the towel. But in 1992, maybe they should have turned this into an angle where Garvin and his towel become friends. I I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of 
I mean, can we not just have a feud with Orndorf and Garvin without having to have it over the fact that Orndorf stole his towel? I was just wanting to know what other bodily fluids other than sweat was on the towel. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, right. Uh, well, the places he goes later on in these episodes makes you think that even more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, he get, yeah, he gets all yeah, he gets all pissed off later on. So, um, Garvin is spank. And, okay, yeah, and and this is part of this match that'll be interesting early. Garvin randomly spanks Mike Sampson. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> And this this will lead into something a little bit later that's uh, maybe just telling. We know why. We're telling we some on Ronnie Garvin. So there was some technical wrestling in this match, which was also kind of weird because Ronnie Garvin is known for just kicking the crap out of people. And then eventually he does just kick the crap out of Mike Sampson. He hits him with a knockout punch. I mean, jobber man. And then he. And then he teabagged him for the win. Oh, I mean, yeah. uh, really? I mean, was that necessary? <laughs> uh, I mean, if you're Ronnie Garvin and you just knock somebody out, I guess you can pin them however you want to. So uh, we we recap Orndorff and Garvin's towel, and um, yeah, I don't I don't understand how this this is an angle. Can we not just have them hate each other for no good reason? And uh, Bob Coddles at the desk with Garvin, and Garvin admits that Orndorff kicked his ass. He goes to sleep thinking of Paul Orndorff. That's not all. He (laughs) has to back that statement up with the statement that he does not go to sleep thinking of making love (laughs) to Paul Orndorff. (laughs) (laughs) The most unnecessary statement in the history of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, we're not going to do formal awards after this show, but that is definitely <laughs> the soundbite of the week. Yes. <laughs> There's just no way we could top that. And this is this is two minutes into the show. Oh, God. Okay, so I don't... I mean, I know that our minds just basically live in the gutter, but come on, people, really? <laughs> Uh, oh, he put it. He put it straight out there. Come on. I mean, this this time. No, there wasn't nothing Come straight on. about that comment. <laughs> oh God. Okay, and it's not like it's, and, and honestly, okay, you're listening to this show. You you can be gay, straight. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me, Andy. We've got plenty of friends that are that, sure. that are that are. It doesn't matter. I mean, we are definitely yeah. not homophobic, but we are going to make fun when a manly man like Ronnie Garvin. Dreams about Paul Orndorff and then prefaces that with, but he does not think about making love to him. Come on. Yeah, because it reminds you, I mean, everybody had that one kid in high school that you always aggravated. You know, you knew he was gay and he's like, no, no, no. I just, I just dreamed about Paul Orndorff, but not in a gay way. You know, yeah, right. just come on out the closet and yeah. say, hey, here I am. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, match yeah. number two after this. No music, Mr. Orndorff. Against Nitro Danny Davis. And, uh, okay, so wow. if you look at, yeah, are you reading the notes? <laughs> I would imagine Andy just read the note. Because Danny Davis is sporting a shirt that um, that was that was probably made at some Gatlinburg novelty shop. It's one of those spray shirts. And uh, 
we know what happened to Gatlinburg a couple of weeks ago, so that shop probably doesn't exist anymore, and our thoughts are still with the people of Gatlinburg, and that was a horrible joke to make two weeks after this happened. Well, did it burn down? It's probably burned down. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, well, I mean, the whole town burned down, Justin. <laughs> it, uh, well, pretty much, I uh, know. Not the town. I mean, well, too soon. No, it's yeah, never too soon. Yeah, not in this show. Come not on. on this show. If you, if yeah, it is, they but, just delete. But they saved Dollywood. That's all that matters. Yeah, my God. yeah, I got yeah, it. Yeah, really. But but still, that that shirt's all, it was awful. Yeah, it's it's so corny as hell. You know, the dude sucks. He's wearing the, oh. the the shirt says something about Paula, and uh, Ronnie Garvin uh, r- runs around ringside and he has stolen Mister Wonderful's robe, and somewhere in all of this, Bob Cottle said Horndorf is about to explode. I don't. There <laughs> is I, there is something about Smoky Mountain and explosions. Dutch Mantel calls. Okay, now this is funny because <laughs> you just have to listen to the commentary back and forth. I don't have it verbatim, but Dutch Mantel. Definitely calls Bob Cottle out on some double standards, <laughs> and, and it's uh, it's pretty great because Bob has no comeback for Dutch absolutely burying him. And finally, during this match, Orndorff he has just beat Danny Davis mercilessly, and uh, he finally notices Ronnie Garvin has his robe on, and uh, when he was about to put Davis in a pile driver, so he drops Danny Davis to. Look at Ronnie Garvin wearing his robe. Danny Davis gets a roll-up and a flash win. So, yeah, pretty big upset for Danny Davis to pin Paul Orndorff, but makes sense in the angle. I mean, the match wasn't anything, but the angle's good. Uh, Despite the fact that they're feuding over uh, a towel and homoerotic thoughts, it's still a good feud (laughs) somehow. (laughs) Andy, what, uh, what do you make of it? It's a special towel. It's a special relationship. They 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 love each other as brothers, but but not that way. Justin, what um, what do you make? I mean, obviously, you never watched Smoky Mountain in the in the run, and this is all new to you. When you what do you think of this when you're watching this? <laughs> uh, I couldn't even believe what I was seeing at first. To be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're they're worried about a, a fucking robe and a towel, but you know, but but and then again, you got to think about you know. I always have to remind myself. I've said this a million times. I think when we're doing the show, this is 1992, so corny was good back then. I, I guess. So I mean, it was it was it was a it was a I guess it was a good angle at the time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you got they. they I guess Jim Cornette needs to see what he's working with at the time. Right. I mean, they have to be, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, they, they only have so many options. He only has so many options right. and he has to go with something like that, which, you know, Sp- speaking of only so many uh, options, match number three, we have Polly yeah. and golden boy, Joe yep. Kazana, who is, who is no longer golden. <laughs> he, um, he, his <laughs> hair has turned a nice shade of Brown in the, since the last couple of months that we've saw him and they're fighting the Rock and Roll Express. And, uh, yeah, I think Joe Kazana with the dark hair looks a lot like Larry Zabisco. Except a little which, uh, on the heavier side. Yeah, yeah which I, it kind of sucks that he it took away took away my, uh, in a way, it took away my nickname for him. No, I mean, you've still got it. <laughs> so you, yeah, you go, well, you it'll go, never go away totally. But. Yeah. 
So it's it's a squash it's a squash <laughs> match, and the rock and roll with the double drop kick for the win. Cornette uh, he comes out he's talking during this match and he says that he has a surprise for the Rock and Roll Express, and uh, we have Bob Cottle with the Rock and Roll Express and God Almighty Robert Gibson is a special kind of weird. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, I have a theory. Okay. <laughs> Now, this is, uh, and tr- granted, I'm a little bit tipsy right now, but I have a theory. All right. I have the theory that Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family took their gimmick from the Rock and Roll Express. God, I'd like to hear And I will explain. Yeah. You have Robert Gibson over here that kind of looks off, and you're not really sure, and every once in a while he talks, but don't you know, you don't have any reason why he talked. And then you have Gibson, which is the Bray Wyatt of the group, that says random crap that don't have nothing to mean with it, but the audience is entranced because of the way he says it. Yeah, I don't, uh, I'm not sure. Robert Gibson can say, uh, he could read the English dictionary and not say shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Ricky Morton is so fiery with everything he says, and he does it with such conviction, except he says the same thing every week. Yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. I I never really thought of it as far as uh, being compared to the Wyatts, but that's kind of – that's a good point. I I think Bray Wyatt might be a little bit smarter than Robert Gibson. I think this cup sitting beside of me may be a little bit smarter than <laughs> But then again, they're back on TNA, so, you know. Yeah, I mean. Who, got, who is? Oh, the Rock and Roll the Rock and Roll Express. Express. Yeah. Are they really? That, that's, yeah. yeah. I might have to start watching it. Okay. Good luck. I didn't Tom. know that. Okay. So, we. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, Tim Horner interview. He shows his neck off from the attack by the Dirty White Boy. And. Uh, it doesn't even look like anything is wrong with it. Yeah, well, Horner, what? Are you kidding me? You, that was well, maybe, authentic. Maybe I'm fine. I have my glasses on. Yeah, it. Uh, Horner, <laughs> well, Horner, you know, you got to remember, we're from the south. We kind of, you know, never mind. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that on this show. I'm I'm going to get in trouble for plenty of things, but not that one. It does look like you just got razor burned real bad. Yeah. So Corner cuts a serious promo. He doesn't have nice to one. yell or scream. You know that he's mad, which I like. I mean, you don't always have to yell to get your point across. I'm pretty sure Jake Roberts hardly ever raised his voice in wrestling, and everybody knew if he was mad, happy, sad, whatever. It's uh, and Horner does a good job in the promo. He's uh, mm-hmm. he's mad, but he don't have to yell. So then we go to Down and Dirty with Dutch Mantel. He's got Ron Wright. He says that Horner that he was uh, he was going to kill him. He told him that he was going to kill him. So the Dirty White Boy was just trying to defend him. And uh, they're drinking near beer, and I I don't have a clue why. Well, I, I do. Will, yeah, we will in a minute. Um. So, Dirty White Boy says he could whoop a man, woman, or child. Well, I mean, I would hope that he could whoop a woman or child. Just not, not I mean, not in the sense that he should, just in the sense that he could. Yeah, that might have been a little bit uh, too far, yeah. saying that shit. But. I mean, uh, he, 
We'll see a child later that has a, an experience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I believe we can take him. You know, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Horner does come out and bashes Dirty White Boy, and he hits him with a pretty good shot, like one of those shots that he hit Landell with in one of those first shows. And uh, he he does have a good right hand. So then the near beer is blasted over Horner's head, and he's bleeding <laughs> all over the place. Tim's wife comes out to look over him as the dirty white boy and Ron Wright leave. So I guess the whole point of the near beer was so that they could blast it on Tim Horner's head, unless Andy has a different theory. I believe it's because he was playing up the whole heart condition thing, because if you're on heart meds, you can't drink regular beer because it drops your blood pressure too low. Okay. Well, that's a more educated guess than what I was throwing out there, so we'll go with that. Didn't Wait. expect that one, did you? No, no, you, you actually come up with a, a, a concise answer. Justin, would you like to try to top that? Well, maybe, yeah, maybe I'm Robert Gibson here, but uh, what, what is near beer? <laughs> oh, uh, Andy. It has like point oh oh five percent Oh, is it like a, a NA, basically? Yeah, it's yeah. like for alcoholics, it, it keeps them, it weans them off of it. Oh, okay, I got you. I didn't. Yeah. Anyway, so we're back. We're back to the uh, no, the Robert, Robert Gibson moment there, I guess. And uh, maybe I have a glass eye too. <laughs> back to the back to the desk from the commercial. Horner's still laying on the ground, but where we can't bother with that because Armstrong's out for an interview. And uh, he said, still wearing the same shirt. <laughs> it's uh, six months later. $2,500 yeah, fine yep. is levied against. Same dead shit old shirt. Yep. $2,500 fine for the dirty white boy. And uh, Jim Cornette comes out to talk to Armstrong. Cornette says that his mother is really on top of things and that the other teams deserve a chance at the belt. So Dixie Dynamite and Danny Davis, maybe Joe Kazana and Pat Rose, and there's some other ones that needs a chance. And um, <clears throat> so what he's basically getting at in this promo is that he's not going to give the Rock and Roll Express another shot until he exhausts all the teams in Smoky Mountain, which is a pretty good idea. So like where the angle's going. Justin, uh, what, what was you? What was your comments here? Yeah, it was probably basically the same thing. A bad shirt. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And in it, it, the bad goggles, man, he's gonna you know do some research, really. Oh yeah, like, like strong. I don't know. He, he just tried to. I don't know. Tried yeah. to play it off. He's going Perry, going Perry Mason on us here. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So. Uh, so we get out of this little angle here, and uh, we go to match number four, which is the main event. Bounty match. Killer Kyle against Brian Lee. And, boy, my two favorite people in one match. I, I can't uh, can't contain my excitement. The bodies are at the desk, and they're, they're talking some crap about the rock and roll. Now, this is just a typical big man. They slam into each other, hip tosses, body slams. But to get to their credit, that's all the fans need. Hip tosses and body slams. They're going crazy. Eventually, Killer Kyle turns it around on Brian Lee. And then Lee turns it back around on Killer Kyle. And the bodies hit, a hit the ring for the disqualification finish. 
And then the Rock and Roll Express hit the ring, and there's a six-man brawl. And then there is a huge Samoan that comes out in the ring, and he takes care of Brian Lee. And I, when yes, I say Manoa huge, McNugget. Yeah, he's um. No, that was not King Haku. He was never that big. I don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I meant to look, I meant to look I up which, it, which when Sam, he came. which Samoan that actually was, and I did not. But th- this guy's about four. He's he, he's pushing four hundred. Uh, or maybe not quite. Maybe he's not pushing it. Maybe he is four hundred. He's a pretty big dude. He pushed four hundred off the cliff and climbed up on five. <laughs> he, he's actually. I mean, if you look at him, he's he, even though he's a fat, big Samoan. He also has some muscle mass, which is kind of impressive. As big as the dude was. So we go to the end of the show. There's an interview, and we have Danny Davis and Dixie Dynamite. Rock and roll and, and prime time. Uh, basically, Ricky Morton says, in order to see the rainbow, you have to stand a little rain. And, uh, oh my God, uh, at least Roddy Garvin <laughs> don't talk about anything weird. Uh, Brian Lee is, that's because he's not out there. That would be why. And Brian Lee calls out the mastermind behind the bounty. And, uh, yeah. Brian Lee. <laughs> That didn't take long, and that uh, that pretty much does episode thirty six in. So, uh, I just had, I just had to end that episode with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so thirty six. It's been a long time. 30, yeah, we missed it, Justin. Yeah. We did. We really did. Yeah, we we have to play the sound. We have to play the sound bite every once in a while. <laughs> So uh, we're on we're on to episode number thirty seven. We're we're in the we're in the same place. We are still in Sneedville, Tennessee, and match number one was Robbie Eagle and Killer Kyle. And Killer Kyle dominates. I mean, this is an extended squash match. He he beats old Robbie Eagle for several minutes. Cornette asks if Eagle is Indian during this match because he's out on the desk on uh, commentary, and he says that he has no reservations about fighting Indians. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. glad the snowflakes didn't hear that. that uh, it would have melted. Uh, the matches went. This match has definitely went on way too long. Um, there's a rub out, and and uh, it doesn't even involve Ronnie Garvin. Uh, Killer Kyle actually doesn't kill himself. <laughs> the reverse bear hug for the win. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, Cornette's commentary was great, Justin. What did he call it? What did he call it? Uh, pure premeditated assassination. Yeah, pretty- yeah I mean, I, 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 almost, I almost think, like, uh, Cornette told, told him, in, I don't know if you want to call it, Real life or whatever, but he he told him to kept keep the match going so he could kept keep on running his <laughs> yeah, mouth because yeah. he was so damn funny yeah. during that commentary. Yeah, Cornish. It was hilarious. He is great on the desk. So we get yeah. to a taped interview with Tim Horner now, and uh, the doctors tell him that he can't wrestle for two or three weeks, but he don't want to miss his title matches. He's going to pull Dirty White Boy's head off his neck and play a fiddle or something. I'm not exactly sure where he was headed with that. Um, yeah, he's shameless. Andy, uh, do you buy Tim Horner being able to kick the dirty white boy's butt? 
Not in the least bit, but it is entertaining in the interim until they can find him a worthy opponent. That's true. I mean, they can't always be. Uh, you know, every once in a while, like the WWE, the, that one Royal Rumble, they had to have Brock Lesnar against Bob Holly as the title match. I mean, that, that's the kind. Of, that that's kind of similar to this. Yeah. Where you know that the guy's probably not going to win, but hey, he's it's it's different. There's only so many times you can watch two guys fight each other before you want to see something different. Yeah, you know, it's a change of pace, and, you know, they I believe they saw that Brian Lee probably wasn't, you know, the face of the company, and now they're trying to search and find somebody, and, you know, hey, let's throw, Thorn, let's throw Horner out there, you know, in the meantime and see what he can do. Uh, there's a difference between the face of the company and uh, the ass of the company. I think I think I saw that from day freaking one about that guy. Well, Brian I mean, Lee. He did start singing immediately and he had the lightning bolt, so Justin was all over uh, that. Yeah. Well no, I was talking about Brian. But yeah, t- Tim Horner's come full circle for me. I mean he, he, he this whole feud here is getting to be pretty good. I don't yeah, know. no, Horner I mean, we'll crack on him, but uh, he is a good regional not bad. wrestler and he is believable enough to where if he just has a brawl and he's mad, you can buy the fact that he could at least give the dirty white boy a run for his money. Yeah. If he was in one of the bigger promotions, I mean, maybe like a, he could honestly be like a TV champion or, you know, U S champion or, you know, he's along that level. Right. But you know, he, he is a good worker. Yeah. Yeah, he is. So I agree. We, uh, we're at the desk with Bob, Dirty White Boy, and Ron Wright again. And Wright says that Glass got in his eyes, and the doctor tells him he's going to go blind. And the Dirty White Boy, he's mad about losing the $2,500, and uh, he's going to take it out of Horner's ass. That's, that's basically the gist of that promo. I guess right. Right is just a hypochondriac, I guess. Yeah, I like I the mean, fact, I like the He's fact always got every, some shit wrong with him. That the glass got in his eye. So that's, uh, that's. But may I speak as a Southern male that there are elderly people here in the South that are just like that. Oh, yeah. it, no matter what happens, there is something wrong with them that is beyond yeah. anything you can think of. Madison cannot help them. Only Jesus. <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh. Match number okay. two. I'm not oh, good lord! I just snorted a beer. Oh, oh, that hurts. Match two: Dirty White Boy and Ben Jordan. And uh, Jordan has those Lisa Frank tights on again, which I guess neither one of you still know who Lisa Frank is. So this is not helping. Yeah, who the hell is, is that? she related to Ann? Um, no, I don't think so. Oh, okay. David and Goliath match. Uh, Dirty White Boy. He mauls him. Jordan does catch him a couple of times. It's ended with a buck snort blaster for the win. I like Jordan as a uh, a job guy. Uh, if dang, I still wish that they would have had like a lot heavyweight division and kept Rip Rogers around and had Jordan and and some of these other smaller guys. They could have done something with a lightweight division back in that day, but. That just wasn't in the cards. Um, so then we go to probably one of the uh, the more entertaining segments of the entire show. 
We're the dream. <laughs> it's the dream match. It's uh, Thanksgiving. Thunder's coming up. Or so. What they're doing is the fans were submitting letters for dream matches. So Dutch Mantel grabs one to read. And when he reads the dream match letter, he starts out by saying, Dear Mr. Mantell, in discussing your accounts, you are seriously past due. <laughs> and he accidentally <laughs> grabbed a personal collections letter, which he's very, very upset over. Bob Cottle's giving him hell, and they go to commercial. That was, you just have to watch that. There's no way we can do that justice. It's hilarious. Dutch Mantell yeah, he, is awesome. The way he plays it off, I mean, you think it might actually be for real. Yeah, I mean, and his face, the way his facial expression changes as he's reading the letter, it's not even just, it's the inflection in his voice, and it's his face as he's reading it, saying, like understanding what he's reading on the air, which is what makes it. Hell, it could have been. It very well could have been. So we're back to the desk from the commercial, and Dutch was still mad that he, that he read a, his own past due letter. And we get a recap of the Orndorff-Garvin deal, and then we go to the desk with Gore, uh, Ronnie Garvin and Danny Davis. And Garvin calls Orndorff Paula. He's wearing the robe, which he has actually cut down a little bit. to uh, It looks like a boxing robe now. And uh, he says that maybe Paul Orndorff was supposed to be a girl and he calls him Paula. He says he's trying to be a man. Orndorff comes out and they take off. Tommy Young sighting here. Uh, Orndorff was, he's mad. The crowd's chanting Paula. Orndorff says that that was a $15,000 robe that Garvin had cut down. And then uh, he's, <laughs> he, try, he tries to make some sort of gay slur at Liberace and not really sure <laughs> yeah. what what he was trying to say, except that I know yeah, he was yeah. taking a shot at Liberace. I couldn't figure that out because he was he was going on. Liberace was a man too, and I'm like, he was gay though. I'm I'm confused. Yeah, I don't I, uh, I don't uh, think Orndorff thought that one through. Yeah, well, I, I I almost think like when they cut him off cut the cut him off to commercial. I almost wonder if that that was on purpose. Oh yeah, like they're wondering like what the what the <laughs> frick are you saying, dude? Let's <laughs> go to commercial. And what, work, you know work that out. that's the thing, out here. and we don't talk about modern wrestling really, but that's the thing that I miss, honestly, from modern wrestling because we have script writers and nobody's allowed to go off script and just right. kind of cut a promo. Yeah. And if they were, well, then this kind of stuff would happen, and it would be more entertaining yeah. because it would happen and well, it would sure. be funny. Well, that's what we want. I can't, I can't remember the writer that said it, but there was one of them talking about how they could fix modern wrestling. And that was it because used to, they said, all right, here's our general idea. Go for it. Yeah. And you got the real person. Now you have a scripted person and you watch people fake fighting. And that's just kind of weird. Yeah, I think, uh, and I know a lot of people don't like him. And uh, I'm not not going to condone his wrestling ability all that much, but just for his mind for wrestling was pretty good. I think Kevin Nash at one time in a shoot interview that I heard said, you know, you have a bunch of guys, these writers, that are writing about sex and drugs that's never had any kind of drug in their system and never saw a pussy. 
<laughs> he said, so, I mean, it's like, well, you know, you, you don't have these guys right about it if they don't know it. Yeah. So. What do you want? What's that, Justin? Vince Russo? Would he be one? No, no, I mean. Oh, Vince, God. Vince Russo. Um, Did you know that he has made Jim Cornette go on a diet? Yeah, just so he can pee on his grave. Yes, just so he can pee on his grave. You saw that interview. Okay, uh, yeah. I just wondered. Uh, so, uh, anyway, back to this. Um, we're down and dirty with Dutch uh, Mantel, Bob Armstrong, and Brian Lee. And uh, Armstrong reads a letter from the mystery man. And it, it says to address the guy, the, the mystery man, as the master. So Dutch asks Lee what it feels like to be the most wanted man. Lee says that he's tired of this guy and he's a coward. Yeah, uh, Justin, <laughs> Lee, Lee looked, uh, he looked lost out there, to say the least. But he always he, looks he lost. Drew, he, he, drew, he drew a complete freaking blank. And this is the case, well, while they know, have, this is why they have riders. <laughs> yeah. Right after we make the point that Great. they shouldn't. He's a piece of garbage. The guy is still shit. And this is why he, he got, well, I, I don't think he got totally buried yet, but. No, well, no, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait until you see what he turns into because you're going to just die. That's all there is to it. When Lee actually comes out of his shell and, and becomes a little something more than he is now, you're going to, it's a, it's a 180 for Brian Lee. And it will happen eventually. And if we could kill, at least watch one of these a month, do one of these shows a month, we'll ha- it'll happen sooner than later. Yeah, there you go. So match number three is the stalker against Paul Lee. And uh, Brian Lee comes, he comes in to fight the stalker. Paul Lee just leaves. He's like, I'm going to pay him enough money for this. Uh, back and forth, the bell rings. I don't guess it was ever an official match between anybody. The stalker hits, uh, he hits a pretty good uh, Savat kick. Lee tosses him over the top rope, and then the not stalker hits the ring. And uh, you may know him better as Adam Baum or Brian Clark. Uh, he gets he he takes over and actually starts beating up Brian Lee to the Rock and Roll Express, run him off. So we've got this big Samoan. We had the uh, the other big guy. We've had another stalker. Now we have the not stalker. There's been plenty of people after Brian Lee. At least they're keeping it fresh. I mean, there's somebody in there every week that's different. So, um, Andy, what uh, what what do you think of? Uh, I mean, his wrestling ability wasn't that good, but just the sheer size of Brian Clark, he comes in the ring and you're like, okay, yeah, this guy could whip his ass. Uh, well, out of the whole thing, the only thing that kept popping in my mind is how has Bob Caudill never seen a powerbomb before? Because he didn't have a clue how to describe that maneuver until Dutch stepped in for him. I, I don't know. That's the thing that stuck in my head. Yeah, I forgot about that part of it. He's like, what is what is this? It's a modified pile driver. It's a powerbomb there, Bob. Yeah, Sorry. It's a, it's a pile driver that got way away from the guy. <laughs> Oh, okay. So is Kyle, is Kyle still alive? Yes, yes I think so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Bob's still oh, kicking. So, so, so he won. He won. He won losing his mind yet back then. I mean, that's debatable, but he's still alive. <laughs> yeah. 
No, no, no. I mean, I, he just uh, Bob would just get excited, and I'm pretty sure he knew what a power bomb was. He just, he just get. He's a very excitable guy. So we're at the desk now with the stud stable, and Robert Fuller says there's a bunch of good, but good for nothing, sorry people in Sneedville. And Fuller says that they wore out five sets of knee pads trying to figure out how to wrestle the dwarfs. <laughs> also, amen. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, they are a short people. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so Justin's wondering, uh, you're wondering what happened to the push. It's, yeah, I, I, really, I really do. I mean, I mean, I, I guess in, I don't know, the first, well, I guess they didn't show up till I don't know, about midway through the first 30, but... Yeah. Well, yeah. What happened? They kind of died off. Yeah, they're going to. I mean, it's back. not like they went went the Freebird Mountain or anything. Maybe they did. No, no, no. Oh God. They're, they're going to come back strong, and they're going to have one of the most entertaining matches that we'll watch. It probably in the whole run. Let me put it that way. Now, it's a it's I a teaser you. for you. They're going to have a heck of a match eventually. That'll uh, also involve Dutch Mantel. I'll put. I'll also throw that out there. What the hell? He gets back in the ring? Oh, yeah, and it's it's a sight to behold. So, uh, match number four. We have Dixie Dynamite with Nitro Danny Davis against the Bodies for the titles. And uh, not a good that, match, but definitely this, worth seeking out. Uh, if you watch this on YouTube, <laughs> go to 42 minutes into the match. Cornette <laughs> gets into it with a fan and her grandson. I guess. I mean, it's a kid and an older woman. Uh, the little boy, and I quote Andy, and you, what? I'm king. The little boy, I mean, and this is like not bleeped on TV at all. I mean, it's not on the live camera, but the kid's screaming it at him. He calls Cornette a son of a bitch. It was beautiful. So then Cornette turns around. And he starts screaming welfare, welfare, welfare at these people. And um, that was absolutely brutal because because the kid starts crying. I mean, not like it wasn't like he was crying because he was. He it was that mad cry, like I'm going to stab you. <laughs> and and he scares the he kid because he acts like he's throat, gonna, right? he oh chance. He acts like he's gonna hit the kid with the racket. And the, the the kid he does this weird cry and then they cut away, but you can hear him way off camera again, just screaming, You son of a bitch. Oh my god. <laughs> So it's still real ties. It was definitely <laughs> that's, that's what I was gonna say. I mean, it, I mean, these maniacs really thought it was real. Oh yeah, Dude, and you I have no clue. I, I guess. These people would come out of the mountains to watch a wrestling show, and if you knew anybody in the business, they would tell you, "Listen, when I get out there, you don't know me. Don't even act like you know me. Don't even pretend you know me." Don't react to nothing because old ladies would take high heels to the managers and the bad guys. It, it was that way. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, my dad, Andy, you know, he used to do the manager thing and we would go yeah. to matches and we would have to boo him and act like, I mean, we would give him hell. 
because that's the way we had to. He was a bad guy, and we couldn't be seen with him. I mean, he would come in a different car. We wouldn't have any interaction with him until he got home. So it it was it's one of those weird things. Back in he couldn't break kayfabe and all that. Yeah, I mean, I was a nine year old, and I knew what kayfabe was. Yeah, right. Isn't that crazy? That's amazing. Hey, he taught me because I was one of the ones in the stands wanting to throw a spike at him. <laughs> it's okay. We practice this in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, the, uh, anyway, the match itself yeah. here, the, the, basically they've just beat Danny Davis half to death most of the match. Dutch, somewhere in this, him and Bob have another Even if you don't like the matches, what I've got to tell people, if they're watching this, I want people, I really encourage people to watch these shows for the simple fact that even when the matches are bad, they're good. Because you have stuff like this kid yelling at Cornette. You have stuff with Bob and Dutch just going back and forth with each other. So even if the matches are subpar, the rest of it way, way overcomes the, the, crap in the crappy quality of some of these matches. Yes. So, but Dutch eventually, he's pleading for Bob to stop drinking so they don't get fired. <laughs> he, just, he, he says, you're going to get us both fired. And it, it was out of nowhere, too. Oh, like, yeah. I don't even know. Uh, they were talking about, like, what, what he was seeing or something. Yeah. I know. But, like, I don't know. What you said, you couldn't have said it better. I mean, that, that, that may, I think I've said it a million times. And that makes, that makes its promotion, at least right now, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the it, early years, it, the, the it, early part of it. It, cre- it, it brings it to a different level with what they bring to the table. Yep. So Lane's chronic ear problem <laughs> is still being played up, which is actually his toupee problem. And the body's in the, and they end up winning the match when Pritchard, he loads up the boot. He kicks Dixie dynamite in the back and Dutch with his, uh, his wonderful excuse after the match with Bob Cottle showing him the replay of Pritchard putting this whatever on his boot to load it up. And Dutch saying, oh, his foot's just itching. He's just, he's just <laughs> scratching his foot. He tell you, Dutch. So we go to the desk with Rock and Roll Express, and Morton says next week they have a big surprise for Jim Cornette and the Heavenly Bodies. So that is two episodes down from uh, Sneedville, Tennessee. One episode to go from Sneedville, Tennessee. And what we're going to do right now is take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this timeout. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Voice of Ring of Honors, Kevin Kelly here. I just want to make sure you're all subscribed to all of our great feeds here at Place to Be Nation. Now, it's really easy to do. Just head to iTunes or your preferred podcatcher app today and search for and subscribe to the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed, Place to Be Nation pop feed, pro wrestling only feed, and of course, the Kevin Kelly Show feed, which includes the full archives of my podcast. Subscribe, listen, and then rate us and leave feedback today. And of course, as always, enjoy all the great action of Ring of Honor Wrestling and everything presented to you on placetobenation.com. 
Place for Nations, JT Rizzero here, and I want to let you know that we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and PlaceFamination.com, and we offer them to you across two great feeds. On the PlaceFamination Wrestling feed, you can check out Scott Criscolo and me on the Mothership, the Place to Be podcast with our famous Vintage Vault pay-per-view reviews. PTBN also covers current-day wrestling with the smash hit clotheslines and headlines our steady veteran main event, and the beloved monthly pay-per-view reaction shows with immediate feedback on all pro wrestling super shows. Relive wrestling's past with our monthly pay-per-view rewind series led by Ben Morse, the always contentious Dangerous Alliance podcast, and Survey Says, a fun look back at the good, bad, and ugly of WCW. On our very popular Place of the Nation pop podcast feed, we offer such great shows as the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, Rank and File, NBA Team, Lucha Undead, Geek and Sassy, and a veritable podcast heaven for comic fans with hard-traveling fanboys, Sellers Points, Todd Weber's Conversation, and Imaginary Stories. Subscribe to both of those feeds on iTunes and rate and leave feedback for us as well. All of these shows plus others available at PlaceFamation.com where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments and more. Be sure to support our site by using PlaceFamation.com backslash Amazon when doing your online shopping and download our free Place to Be Vintage Vault refresh ebooks via the links on the right-hand side of our site. We also want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Rock, Rhode Island and Fall River, Massachusetts, TheHistoryOfWrestling.com, and Scott Keith's oh, wow. of Doom. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr Chill. as well. PlaceFamation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. And yes, listen to all the great Place to Be Nation shows on our Place to Be Nation family of podcasts. Good stuff out there. So we're coming back to episode number 38, and we are still in Sneedville. This will wrap up the Sneedville tapings, and that's why we've done three episodes. So we come straight out with match number one, and it's Dixie Dynamite against Joe Kanzana. And a, a double and, uh, dose of Mr. Kanzana. What's that, Justin? What's that? Another double dose of the piss shower. That's... I waited six months for this. <laughs> well, hey, you can't have a rainbow without a little rain. Oh, good callback. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is exactly what Ricky Morton was talking about. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, there's so many things, but we ain't got uh, time. <laughs> Dutch Mantel, he keeps telling me. list. Now, this is funny during the match because Dutch Mantel is really, really making a case that one day Kazana's going to be a big star. And um, that is just you just have to listen to the commentary back and forth. Uh, of course, D- Dixie Dynamite wins with a Confederate kick. Nothing, uh, just not really anything to talk about here. So we go to the Rock and Roll Express at the desk, and Bob is just giddy to hear about whatever this <laughs> surprise is. He is tickled. I mean, the, the man is happy. And Ricky says that they've got a picture of Mama Cornette to show later in the show. And and you can see from Dutch's facial expression, he is he's just appalled at all of this. So we go to a recap of the Lee situation with the master. And then a solo interview with Brian Lee, and he's tired of looking over his shoulder. And this week he checks in at six foot eight. And two hundred and twenty yeah, pounds. How, how many? How many fucking times is that going to change? I mean, by the time it's over, he's going to be at least twelve feet tall and bulletproof. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is only like a six-month period, right? He's went from Something about. Like I mean, he's went from six foot six to six foot eight, and uh, about two fifty to two eighty. So. It's it's a healthy growth spurt for Brian Lee. 
So he's like, uh, 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 okay. <laughs> We're at the desk with Bob Armstrong, and he he's changed his shirt, and Justin is jumping for joy. <laughs> uh, he, he, he he finally changed his fucking shirt. Holy shit! It's a, I can't even believe it. It's a Christmas I mean, miracle. The, <laughs> You're right. That's what it is. Every time the bell rings, Armstrong changes his shirt. <laughs> oh. And he, it was even in, in the same location. Yeah, yeah. He, he brought Christmas he, shirt on. He brought two. He might have got some of that near beer on him. That's true. He, could, he needed to get that out and stench yeah. off of him. So he says that he don't know anything else about the master, but he does have a deal for him that if the master will call off the bounty that he will give him free air time to air his issues with Brian Lee. So we got that. Now we're back at the desk with Bob Armstrong and Dutch Mantel and more letters for the dream match contest. And this one was submitted by Lee Roy Mercer. And you know, this confused me for a minute because I thought they was talking about the guy that, you know, had a 55 gallon drum of ice book. And going to pour it on everybody. I mean, this could have been his beginnings. I don't know. I would actually have to research that. But he said he wanted to see an old-timers match against Tojo Yamamoto and Waddy Caldwell. And, uh, Andy, there's one problem with that. And what would that be? Uh, they're no longer in existence, <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> I mean, now, if these guys would have not, uh, if they would have went, you know, a little more high-tech for early 90s and, and uh, had their bodies incinerated, then they could have sh- threw their ashes into the ring and, and had, <laughs> some, had, had some sort of a contest. But I don't... Uh, well, don't, maybe they was going to have a simulation or something. Um, yeah, know. that's uh, it's possible. I don't know. But yes, it, I don't... This is what I don't understand at all about this. If If this was legitimate, which I don't know if it was or not, but the simple fact that Dutch raids the letter and and it just comes right out and says they're both dead, and he's making fun <laughs> of the guy for being an idiot. But it's like you still read that on the air; they're dead. It's like <laughs> where, what part of Smoky Mountain do we not cross the line anymore? I mean, we. Well, you, a- got, you, you also have to remember this is in '92. We didn't have Google, and you know. All this other stuff, and I they guess, probably thought know, Hulk Hogan was still the champ. I mean, I, you know, that's actually a possibility that I did not consider. Yeah, you, yeah, you could have made up almost anything you wanted, I guess, at that point. I mean, I, I guess it's hard to believe that, you know, the internet was fairly born. Uh, thank and, thank you, Al Gore, for creating the internet. Yeah, yeah. I was almost going to say that, that clown. <laughs> match two, Ben. Yes, Justin. Yes. Hallelujah, brother. Sorry. Match, Go ahead. Match two, Ben Jordan and Robbie Eagle against the bodies. And, uh, yeah, Robbie, this, for some reason, I didn't notice it the first 18 times we saw Robbie Eagle, but it struck me last night when I was rewatching this that Robbie Eagle kind of reminds me of Kurt Henning if he kind of had just given up on life and decided to kill himself. That's, that's kind of... I'm what... Mr. Semi-Perfect. <laughs> oh, my God. What an what a gimmick that would have been. 
Oh, God. Can we go back to 1992 and do this? Mr. Semi-Perfect and everything he does would be slightly off. Oh, yeah. this is a man. He'd like ring around the rim and then jump out or something. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, that would be... That would have been great. God almighty. That, yeah. You just created... He this guy. He makes a full shot, the eight ball goes in, but he scratches, you know, yeah. something like that. Yeah, the perfect gimmick. Holy crap. Here on Fire in the Mountains, Andy Waddell has given Robbie Eagle the gimmick of a lifetime that if we have a time machine, will happen. <laughs> okay. So. All right, yeah, I thought, I thought uh, Kurt Henning, didn't he, didn't he actually, he did take himself out, didn't he? No, not on purpose. It uh, he died of a, a heart. Debatable, yeah. I guess. As I mean, holy shit, that got dark quick. What the hell, Justin? <laughs> we, I, I don't know exactly what happened. I, I'm pretty sure it was an accident. Whatever happened to Henning? It's it's the Rick. Yeah, you know, he 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 uh, cocaine, I think, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, he didn't our bed Dwyer himself. Let's put it that way. Uh, uh no. Pew pew. Oh, no, he didn't do that. We, what the hell? We didn't need the sound effect. I don't think that's what it sounded like either. It was kind of loud, and uh, I'll, I'll never forget it, unfortunately. Uh, oh, thank you, Justin. Uh, so um, this match, nothing nothing really happens. Uh, Jordan does look impressive. I think that he would have been a, a, a good light heavyweight champion. Uh, the uh, bodies win. Mm, that's it. Down and dirty with Dutch with the bodies. Dutch calls Cornette's move brilliant against with his injunction against the rock and roll. And uh, Cornette says dirt like the rock and roll wouldn't have a photo of his precious mama. Pritchard is sick of the rock and roll express. And Stan Lane is once again just complaining about his ear thing. So, uh, yes, uh, Dutch... Uh, Cornette elaborates that Dutch Mantel is a man of many degrees, right, Justin? Yeah, he, I, how many is, he has like pre-med, pre-law. He's, he's, th- he's pre- pre-psycho or pre-whatever the mm-hmm. hell. But it's still funny. Yeah. I, I still think it cracks me up every, every single day how he plays that off in his gimmick. Dang. It's great. My, his gimmick's one of the best. It, it continues to be. It is. It's great. Match three, Mike Sampson against Nitro Danny Davis. And another another winner here. Now, this match is pretty short because uh, there's a disqualification with Orndorff attacking Davis. Sampson is a little bit mad that he's been disqualified. And Orndorff just clocks him and knocks him out because he's an equal opportunity uh, butt kicker. He j- jumping pile driver. God, and it ain't even the pile driver. I mean... Orndorff with the jumping pile drivers, it's vicious. Right now, he could come out and that would be a finisher. Yeah, that, that almost looked kind of scary. It, there ain't no way in hell they, they'd be able to do that now. There's no way. It's just the guys back then, because pile drivers were a little, I mean, they don't do it now because of the neck injuries, but back then, the guys knew how to take the pile driver and make it look like a million dollars and Danny Davis he could take a pile driver that's for sure and Andy um, what, uh, what what's your thoughts here I don't know it, it, like you say he made it look like the stone cold pile driver it, it, I thought he done crippled him but then he picked him up again and I was yeah. like well maybe not yeah 
Garvin hits the ring for the save after he's after he's already killed him. We're, we're at the desk with Bob Armstrong. He finds Orndorff. Tw- he locks $2,500. He finds Orndorff $2,500. And he also says that he's going to pay for Danny Davis's medical bills. The rock and roll comes out with the photo of Mama Cornette. And it's, uh, it's a picture of a tr- dog dressed up as an old lady. Just cheesy. I mean, yeah, Justin, what uh, you, yeah. you're, you're, you're definitely uh, wanting to talk about this. Yeah, it's one. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen so far on this uh, promotion. But like I said, if I'm not mistaken, like around that time, that's when uh, uh, Ric Flair and H came out with uh, the whole Elizabeth photos or all that crap. I, I almost wonder if uh, Cornette was playing on that. So you never know. He oh no. See, this is different. This is the South. You don't talk about Mama. I don't care who you are, whether you're the bad guy or the good guy. You talk about Mama, there's going to be a fight happening. Yes. Andy is okay. correct with that, too. And and Cornette comes out. He is mad. He tears up the picture. He's throwing a temper tantrum. He's, he's about to black out. He, 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 <laughs> he wants... He wants them to get the Rock and Roll Express out there right now. He says they're going to fight him right now. He's eating the paper. <laughs> when you want to take it over the top, a cornet is chewing up the paper um, for, for the mm. photo. It's, that was pretty funny. It was funny. I, uh, his, his temper tantrums are... It takes it over the top. Priceless. Yeah. Oh, of course. So Armstrong comes out and he says he'll give him the match if, if it's for the title. And then Cornette says, okay, because he's mad. <laughs> and then the bodies get mad at him. <laughs> what? And Armstrong has the con- – and it's funny because Armstrong's walking around with a contract like he's got nothing else to do. He's got this contract <laughs> in hand because he knows that something's happening. And uh, he's wanting Cornette to sign it. Cornette's he's still fighting with the bodies. He said that's what he's paying them for, to go out there and do their job. And, uh, yeah, even Killer Kyle, God, Justin, you're right. Uh, the walking zombies actually even a little bit got some emotion yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah, it was the most emotion I've seen out of him in the whole run so far. I mean, I know it's only 38 episodes at this point, but he actually looks like he... He cares? Might have got... He look, uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so. Wait, which, I mean, I, I, I think... I, it looks like he's going to get a little bit of a push, obviously, right now. But it almost seems like if he would show a little bit more personality or something like that, I guess, if you want to call it that, he might get a he might be able to get a bigger push. But I don't know. Yeah, uh, he, he's a decent worker. He's yeah, decent. he is. We crack. I'm not him, saying but he's great, but he's he's just a big you know big guy. Or whatever. I, I, I do so. worry about his well being with the rub out though, because every time well, he does that. I think he's going to break his neck. Kill him. Break his neck. He's going to kill himself. But, I mean, obviously, we're here in 2016, and uh, he's he's still around, and he didn't break his neck, so he doesn't seem to Where is he at now? He what now? Where is he Uh, now? He's still in this area. He he lives in Knoxville, I believe, or or Morristown. Oh, Oh, he's he's still doing? Yeah, he's still down here. So we have that, and uh, so that's basically setting up the main event next week. Uh, Cornette's going to put the title on the line, bodies and uh, 
rock and roll. They were de- we're at the desk to end the show with da- Dirty White Boy and Ron Wright. And Ron Wright is continuing to say that he's going blind. Dirty White Boy climbs into the ring. He calls out Tim Horner. He's mad. He looks mad. He said that he could whip Horner's butt. Horner comes out. Now, this is what's funny. Because Dirty White Boy's talking a lot of crap. And then Horner comes out. And Dirty White Boy kind of puts the microphone down. But he leans out of the ring. And he says, he tells Ron Wright, you said you wasn't going to be here. Because, <laughs> like, I could talk all this crap because he's not there. But then oh. Horner's actually there. And that's just a nice touch. So we have oh, security. Yeah. It, it was the subtlety of it. I mean, it was just the, those little touches of what makes uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling so good about this. Yeah. just It's just the wink and the nod. Not that he's saying it in the microphone. He says it kind of, when they're zoomed away from him. And he's saying it to Ron Wright. But they catch the audio. Much like the kid last episode. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> I got to extrapolate yeah. that audio and make that a sound bite. <laughs> the dirty white boy, uh, he goes back. So we have security out, which consists of Bob Armstrong, Mike Sampson, and Tommy Young, which which would be, yeah. a, I could just see that being a hilarious weekly skit. Those three together. Dirty Adam, 11 and a half, come to the front stage. Oh, yeah. So, Tim Horner, he's being held back. So, the dirty white boy goes to the desk. Horner breaks loose from the from the security force, and he, he clocks <laughs> dirty white boy. He's pounding him. He throws him on a stage. He, he throws him into a piano on the stage, which I'm sure the school probably wasn't too happy about. <laughs> yeah, really. The only one they had, and he just dented it with Dirty White Boy's skull. And uh, he's really kicking Dirty White Boy's hind end all the way around this ring. Eventually, it does get broken up. We go off the air. But uh, so that's it. We've, we went three episodes. It was the three-episode taping in Sneedville. But we're, pro- we're, we're progressing feuds. I mean, right now, that th- these were filler episodes, basically. Just progressing the main storylines, which would be Horner, Dirty White Boy for the title. It's progressing toward the Heavenly Bodies and the Rock and Roll Express for the tag titles. And it's progressing toward Ronnie Garvin and and, and uh, Paul yeah, Orndorff yeah. in some kind of a evening gown match. Weird shit going on there. Yeah, Brian Lee trying to figure out who his stalker is. So we've, we've got really four main storylines, which when you only have an hour's worth of TV and you're a, a pretty small promotion at four storylines, it, it's not bad. I mean, right. They're cutting it pretty good. Yeah. So Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I mean, I, and I think I mean, I know I hate you know, I've it's well documented. I hate Brian Lee; he sucks. But it, it's kind of nice to see uh, Dirty White Boy is a champion right now, and then I think he has a good feud right now with uh, with Tim Horner right now. So it it we'll see where it goes. I mean, I I, I can't I don't know how far it can go, but it's looking good so far. I think Ron Ron Wright helps it. Oh, quite yeah. some, quite a bit. 
And, and but, let, let us not forget about the feud between Tojo y- Yamamoto and Whitey Caldwell. Yeah, I'm not guys? sure how they're going to pay this one off. Yeah, but, yeah, how yeah. they're gonna, how they're going to you know get in there, but and, uh, to infinity uh, and beyond. Bob and Dutch has yeah. always got their deal where they're they're having issues with each other every week, which is great. Andy, yeah. Uh, so we're we're three more we're three more deep finally into the tapings. Hopefully, we can get back on a. Uh, more regular schedule once again because we have fun doing this show and we, oh, yeah. we've missed doing it. But uh, these three episodes, you could you could take them as a whole and we can look at them and say, you know, there was no good match on any of these <laughs> TV shows. Well, but, see, that was that's what a lot of modern wrestling, in my opinion, misses is the matches don't have to be the whole part of it. The commentary, the filler, the add-ons, that's what makes the whole program worth sitting there and watching throughout the whole thing. You know, Dutch and Bob going at each other, that's funny as I'll get out. You know, the interaction with the fans, that, you know, the whole thing brings it together. And then the matches don't have to be AAA, you know, rated every time, as long as you get the story told. Yeah, and that's the important thing. I mean, the story is what's drawing the fans into the arena to watch the 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 big shows they have, like you know, November to Remember and and uh, or not that's not whatever Thanksgiving Thunder, whatever they call Thanksgiving their, Thunder. Yes, yeah. no, that's ECW November to Remember. So they we but what what their whole purpose of Smoky Mountain was to use the TV to set up drawing the fans into the arena for the for the big shows and they're doing a pretty good job of that. I mean, I would, if I'm watching it right now, even though the TV has not been good, I would want to go tomorrow and watch all four of those primary matches that they're building up towards. And I'd I'd pay good money to watch it. So they, they definitely are on the right track there. And then we also, yeah. I mean, even though it was kind of on the back burner, we do have the stud stable and the Fantastics kind of in the mix also, which they sort of touched on a little bit. But that's also one of the more back burner stories, but having good matches with each other around the loop. So we got plenty of talent, Smoky Mountain, and still headed in, a, in the right direction. So Justin, we we've finally now made it through three more episodes. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll have another show in two or three weeks and get back on a regular schedule. What do you think? What are you thinking going forward here with where we're at right now? Yeah, I mean, to touch on a little bit what uh, Andy said is uh, it, it kind of reminds me right now, at least of uh, like the late '90s WWE or WWF at that time with the whole, the stories and stuff like that and all the, the filler stuff. That's why it made it so entertaining. And I think that's what Smoky Mountain's doing right now, which, you know, it's, it's good. Some of it's corny and stupid, but it's entertaining, (laughs) at least to us. Oh yeah. I mean, in watching back, I, I don't think we could in 2000, I don't know, 25 years from now, we can't watch the wrestling that's on right now, and and it it, it it's not going to hold up the same way. It's just not. It, right. It, it's because what they did back then, they were still off script. 
weird stuff happened. They they let him get by with corny stuff. They they let him get by with stuff that was not politically correct because we didn't have a lot of delicate right. snowflakes back then. And right. um, so it was just a it's different true. time. But we yeah. can we can look at back on it right now and and make fun of it, but also appreciate it. Exactly. I mean, I mean, totally. And yeah. and and then on the other note, I was going to say I I'm glad to be back. This is a lot of fun. We have fun. We're just cutting up about something's you know pretty silly, and we just have fun with it. And hopefully, people listen. Yeah, I, I think we got. I think we got. A, I think. I, I, if they glad, don't, oh well. If they, yeah, we have fun. We we have fun, Andy. What uh, what would you like to leave us with tonight as we uh, wrap this show up? I just want to thank our two faithful fans and Jim Cornette's mama for wanting to listen to us. That's right, Jim Cornette's mama supporting this show from. What kind of dog was that? I'm not like a. Uh, it was a pug. Yes, oh, it's a pug? Okay. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, so, all right. So we, I, I don't know how many episodes are on the next taping. I'll have to, we'll have to work on the logistics of that, but we wanted to get another show out before Christmas to let you know that we were still doing it. We are still actively going through this Smoky Mountain Library and we'll get to the end of it. It might take 25 years, but by God, we'll get there eventually. So for the keyboard yep. warrior Justin Edgel and uh, the hot pocket himself, Andy Waddell. Oh yes, and everybody, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, because we will be talking to you after the first of the year in 2017. So hope you have a good rest of 2016, and uh, stay tuned for more of this show because we're gonna we're gonna try to bring you some more episodes here in the the coming weeks. Where where we won't go six months without a without, but a not again in a sexual way. Yeah, we're no, not not in a yeah. No, I mean it well, might be, but geez, I, it I, depends I, on what day we record it. So for so for oh Andy Waddell, so for Andy Waddell and Justin Angel, I am Ricky Wittenberg saying another fire in the mountains in the books. I'm drinking of a Smoky Mountain Christmas. Kids around the fireplace, drinking popcorn for the trees.